Hi, Moneymakers. Sebi and Josh here. Thanks for listening. Before we jump into this episode, please share and help our ministry. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Share with your friends, your family. Hey, if you have enemies, (laughs) share with them as well and everyone in between. Now enjoy the episode. So one of my favorite YouTubers just sold his entire $20 million stock portfolio, which is very concerning because I know, which is very concerning because he is one of the people who have always advocated for investing long. So basically holding your stocks for a long period of time. Reason being that there are a lot of factors that are actually affecting the economy. And I think he doesn't trust the feds fully. At least he believes the market doesn't trust the feds. And hence his decision, because according to him, he's not just moving based on what he thinks or what his biases are, but what is the market presenting in front of me and how am I going to operate on that? He has also said that he is going to re-enter into the market sometime soon, and he has given a strategy on how he's going to re-enter. But for someone like me, who my cost basis is still far away from whenever I first invested I don't think that's an option for me to sell my entire portfolio because this is still, even though it's down, it's still pretty expensive from what I got it for. And he's selling like a 10 years worth portfolio, which is really shocking to me. But that's by the wayside. Powell is going to be talking on the 25th and people think he's going to give the market an uppercut and just increase rates on the 25th of January, which I don't believe to be true. I mean, I don't see Powell as like, a liar because many things he says that he's going to do, he actually did. Like he said he wasn't going to raise rates. He did not raise rates. He said they are thinking about raising rates. They are thinking about raising rates and questioning when they should rate rates, which would be in March. So the only thing I feel like people are holding on to power, holding them by the neck is that he said that inflation was transitory and now it's not. But then again, this is still like, it was still speculation, right? He wasn't, I won't say he saw like a little orbit ball and was like, yes, this is when it's going to be guaranteed. It was still like, like the same way everybody was like, oh, inflation is not transitory or is it really transitory and all that good jazz. And technically, if I am still looking into them, I don't think like inflation is how we know it to be, what we're experiencing here. Because typically we see people who have higher earnings like we see right now in the market when people are earning higher they're spending more money and because of pricing power companies are able to increase so they increase however whenever you see google trends even in the start of the pandemic when money was starting to go out to the regular average joe people were not spending money the way they thought they would be spending money because they thought this was going to stimulate the economy But when you see the trends at spending or what people are typing on, like, oh, I want to buy X, Y, Z, the trend has actually been going down. So that is concerning because people are earning more. They are paying people more. People are going back to work, but they're just not spending more and they are hoarding cash. That is actually what's concerning. And let's not forget the supply chain issue. People seem to forget that, that people are still not going back because they're sick. Omicron is still affecting everything going on. So supply chain issues, suppliers have to uh, demand suppliers and grocery stores and people who need these goods have to make some money some way. So guess what? They increase the prices of their goods because they cannot do anything. Otherwise, they won't make a profit and they are obligated to their shareholders. So they have to increase their prices or somehow, some way make a profit. 
So that's one of the things I feel like people are not realizing with inflation. It's not that, oh, you know, I mean, obviously, yeah, some companies are ridiculous where they're trying to increase their price because they just have pricing power. But it's not just as a result of, oh, people are spending more and people have more money, so therefore they can do this. But people are actually hoarding cash. So those are just some of my thoughts. But Joshua, what do you think is actually going on here while we dive more into this market? Yes, for me, everything you said makes perfect sense, you know, and there are so many variables that we can talk about in this dynamic that is going on in the market. You know, I think we have to go back to the genesis of everything, kind of COVID, mm-hmm. right? We know what happened in 2020 in March when COVID became very, very obvious that, man, this was a threat to the economy and the market crashed, basically. And the Fed has to rescue us. They had to drop interest rates to zero. They had to expand their balance sheet. They had to pump money into the economy because, and for me, that was a very, very, that was the right decision because yeah, I agree. if they didn't do that, the economy would have collapsed even worse, you know? So that was a good, very good decision. And obviously with so much, so many people having cash on hand, they will spend more. Yeah. And eventually this caused prices to go higher mm-hmm. from stuff like wings, to, you know, your McDonald's, your Chipotle, we started to see small increases in price. And also, another effect of the Omicron, like you said earlier, was the disruption of the supply chain. Mm-hmm. Many ships that had to come through China because of the virus, China had to close their ports. You know, America had to close their ports. Mm-hmm. Even like truckers, people that used to carry goods and services on the road, they had to stop just because of Omicron. Uh Right. And this supply chain, while in some sectors it has improved, it has not totally made made a recovery. And I think that is why we're where we are right now. And remember, like last year, around February, March, we had our inflation reading 2021 and it was high. I think that was kind of the first time that everyone got shook. Like, okay, wait, 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 wait. This inflation is actually going to be a big deal. And, And like you said, Powell, he said that he wanted employment to be close to full participation before yeah. he will go ahead and start tapering. And obviously it was a man of his word. He didn't raise rates until, he, I mean, he didn't start to taper until later in 2021 when he made that announcement in September, right? Yeah. However, the conundrum or the where we are right now that makes it difficult is the fact that even with all the money that was pumped into the economy, GDP is not growing as much as we thought it would. You know, I mean, obviously, when we first pumped money, we saw that growth, we saw that recovery, but it's already wearing off. You know, the stimulus is wearing off already. And if you ask anyone who knows, like, economics, the what they will tell you is that you never raise rates in a contracting economy. And what do I mean by a contracting economy? A contracting economy is when your GDP goes down. So if your GDP goes down two months in a row, that's what is called a recession. Look at what we saw in January. Retail sales missed by over 5%. Yeah. You know, and obviously that ranges from not just like clothes, that ranges to cars, just selling to the final consumer. So people are starting to think, how is the consumer actually doing? Do they have enough money? Remember, from 2020 and 2021, many of the, these retailers have believed that, okay, demand is strong. So what have they done? They've gone on to power more inventory. They're trying to produce more because in their mind, they're like, okay, there is a lot of demand. We left you know? money on the table the last Yes, time. we have, let's make more product. But what happens if indeed people really don't have money to buy as much? What happens to that inventory? You know, and what happens to that? To, because like people think it's just, I don't think it's the issue of people don't have money. 
It could also be that people just don't want to. Because of what happened with COVID, they are like, hey, we have everything we need now. So we're, because like, that's the thing that gets into my mind is nobody is going to buy another car again. All the demand that would have happened for cars is gone. Yep. So yep. why do you think that because the demand or the simulation is reduced, something bad is happening? Like people have already got what they wanted to get. Same thing yep. with houses. So if now you were concerned like, oh, are people going grocery shopping? I would have been like, oh, okay, 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 okay. I can see that's even things that is needed. But like grocery shopping and buying of goods is still high that grocery stores cannot keep up. Again, hence yep. supply chain because you're not able to meet up with the demand. But when you're seeing all these like bigger goods, you're seeing it like, you know, Apple phones and computers and AirPods. All those things are going up because we were like, hey, man. After COVID, we got to keep our cash correct because Omicron was exactly. out there. Don't know what's going to happen. And that's what people have been talking about last year. That was all the demand pulled forward. Maybe yeah. on average, let's say Apple sells a million iPhones, but because of COVID, they sold three million. Maybe people are just front running it. Maybe they were supposed to buy it in the next year, but they thought to themselves, "I have all this cash. Let me just buy it right now." And they're not going to buy an iPhone twice. They have the phone already. They'll probably wait maybe till next year before they buy buy another one. Who knows? But basically, the point is still the fact that many companies have overestimated the demand. A good example is Peloton. Uh-huh. You know, and obviously the pandemic actually made the demand go up, and it, it made sense, right? People could not go to the physical gyms. Uh-huh. What they did was work at home, so it made sense that the demand went up. But as the economy starts to reopen, obviously you would think it's common sense that the company will believe that. People will go back outside to work out in real yeah. gyms. But instead, they tried to even increase capacity. So when COVID started going down, they tried to even produce more. And I think that's the same mistake that many other retailers are doing as well, especially some of the stay-at-home companies. And now they're having to lay off some of their staff. There's a lot of issues. I was reading earlier today that an activist investor even wants them to fire the CEO and maybe try to sell the company or something. Yeah, because you know? I thought process is that is it that people were cool because from the get-go you you know i have never been a fan of netflix zoo and peloton these mm-mm, i have not this nzp stocks mm-mm, not been a fan of <laughs> not at all because i just felt like they were stocks for a moment they did what they were supposed to do and we we're moving yeah. on these people were stocks that needed to be acquired. It's like buying Peloton is like buying like a company that only produces AirPods. If now they had like mm-hmm. a line of an array of products, right? Yes. I would have thought like, okay, this makes complete sense. But why am I going? It's like buying just only a little bit. And it's not even a product that is like reusable, like often like you can use it, like tires, right? Like if it's like the same time, you're like, yeah, our tires can be used for like a lot of cars. This is something that at least every year you get people to, this is not something you can change every year. Then their partnerships were really weak. They were not making any good partnership with any gym. No one's trying to acquire them. Then Zoom again. Zoom's technology, honestly, I'm sorry, but it, there's nothing special. Their technology <laughs> is it's not the Yeah, Microsoft special. literally have what Honestly, yeah. even FaceTime now has it. Like Apple now, with FaceTime, you can send a link. Then people, they, they literally, have, it's not, if if other companies wanted to do it, there is no barrier to entry. So there's nothing special yeah. there. Then Netflix, amazing for the consumer. Wonderful for the consumer. But for an investor, oh, no, 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 no. 
Because I'm thinking, <laughs> how else are they able now? See, they've increased their price. How else are they able to get in cash? And I think they suffer the same way Twitter is suffering of figuring mm-hmm. out how we can get in more cash, like other avenues of getting cash. They don't have that. That's true. That's 100%. Like you said, those stocks were stocks for a moment, and now they're going through a lot of stuff. And I think there are some key days we have to look forward to. Mm-hmm. For example, we have to go back to talking about interest rates. If yeah. you listen to our former episodes, we've said this so many times that higher interest rates are not good for technology, especially the high multiple technology stocks that have not made any profit. And the reason is because, one, many of these companies have to borrow. So interest rates are higher. The borrowing costs are going to increase. And that's even going to put more pressure on their bottom line. Comes down, they're not even making profit already. Now we're adding more to the expense. And apart from this, it also reduces their value. Because when we value companies, we use the discounted cash flow method. And one of the variables in there is the discount rate. Anytime this rate goes up, it brings down the value of the actual company. So interest rates and tech companies is basically no bueno. And now, one thing I've learned is do not fight the Fed. And this works on the upside and on the downside. For example, in 2020, when the Fed said we're going to cut rates to zero. There are some bears, you know, saying, that, oh, the market's going to fall. <laughs> Go ask them what happened to them. Those bears got destroyed. Even in 2021, where we saw that um, inflation was going to be high, Powell still said, nope, they're not going to taper yet. They're not going to raise rate yet until um, employment got to full participation. And even then, some bears were saying, ah, you know, we're going to show the market. And we can admit in 2021, the market had some turbulence, mm-hmm. right? It didn't go up in a straight line. Even Many growth stocks got hammered, especially in the first half of um, 2021. But the stock market still made new all-time high. When did everything change? Everything changed in September when the Fed started to turn against the bulls. You know, the day Powell announced that tapering was going to start, that was the day the dynamic changed. And that was, it started in September. And the market went down, but made a quick recovery. But since that day, what I noticed was that the breadth, when I mean breadth, so let me, let's give an example. We have the S&P 500. The index trades on its own. However, that index has 500 companies that it tracks. And what I saw was that the index itself will go up or maybe it'll stay flat. But the companies on, in that index were getting hammered. you know. And this was the case, especially in tech. We will have the QQQ, which is basically the index that tracks technology companies. It will either stay flat or it went up or went down a little. But the companies in that index were getting hammered 5%, 10%. And we kind of saw this shallow rally from September on, up to the end of the year. And that was when we kind of went, huh, there's something fishy going on. However, in early January, when the Fed announced that we're going to start doing their balance sheet runoffs, Basically, that's kind of another form of taking out cash out of the system. It's not raising interest rates directly, but it is also another way to take out excess cash from the system. That was when the market really showed its true face. Everything started going down. And I feel what made what makes many people scared, for example, look at CrowdStrike. We know CrowdStrike, but the average person on the street does not know what CrowdStrike is. So if it goes down 3%, that's one's business. Upstart, if Upstart goes down 10%. Many people don't know what that is. But do you know when trouble starts? When Amazon starts to go down 5%. When Google started to go down 3%. Because those are the giants. Those are the heavyweights. And last week, that's what we started to see. So I think that's the real fear in this market. And right now, 
if you're bullish, I hate to say it, at least if you're short term, <laughs> if you're short term bullish, you are fighting the Fed. That's what I think. I agree. I feel like one of the most important things currently now is some people would argue that Q4 means nothing, like quarter four, when companies are announcing their earnings in quarter four. But to me, I think it's still important, right? Just to see where the directional, like how are they ending and where are they moving forward? But one thing that is really important for most people is not Q4 because we already knew how Q4 was going to perform based on Q3 when you already told us what was going to happen. People are more concerned about the guidance for quarter one. Exactly. And now Apple, Tesla, and Microsoft, these big giants are giving their guidance <laughs> this week, as well as Powell speaking on the 25th. So needless to say, the market is going to be quite bloody again this week. One of the things I have realized, like seeing a lot of people taking breaks, seeing a lot of people going off is what I think was my dad that said it when he was like, when there's a tornado, even turkeys are flying. So now we are seeing that those stocks that were flying, who are the turkey and the tornado being like, oh yeah, you know, the stimulus and all the good stuff that we're pumping into the market, even the bad companies are doing good. Yeah. But now that the dust and the rubble has settled and we're seeing everyone for who they are, we are going to see, <laughs> yeah, we're going to see who is going to perform well. We're going to see with fundamental analysis, technical analysis and momentum, who is going to weather this storm because it, it it's intense. I personally, I am holding on to cash and I am just watching to get in like January 25th would tell me how to progress into this market based on what he says. And if he's still sounding pretty hawkish, I'll just keep holding on to my cash for a little longer. <laughs> Before I need any more money because, bro, your girl's down, down up a digit. She's down, down a lot. <laughs> but it's all good. It's all good. This is, this, is, this is the market, really, you know? Like you said, we're enjoying it. You know, all time high. I just opened my account. You know, up. Yeah, like 2020, 2021. Four figures. I'm just all time high every day. I'm just praying that I'm not going to enter being down five figures because then I'm just like, made it. (laughs) But like, still, I'm just like, hey. But it's good. It's all good. I think that being aware of this and fixing your strategy not based on your bias being a bull or a bear because it's like nobody's even winning in this market if you're a bull it's like damned if you do damned if you do, do you oh no this? bears are winning what do you mean <laughs> i mean there was like remember winning. monday's market when it everything opened green even now futures are green so everybody's like oh market is going to open green and it starts green then middle is acting funky then closes red so it's like if you are able to catch it quickly possibly but it's not like cut straight, like because it's not even having an actual direction. Yes, we're making lower lows and lower highs, but even everything is just weird. Everything is just really weird. I just need the market to pick a direction. So yeah. I was just going to. I really it. like what you said about the guidance because I remember this weekend I was looking over Google Trends. So sometimes when I when I want to research companies, I just search for their product on Google Trends and see what's going on. I remember looking at iPhones, looking at AirPods looking at iPads, and this is the lowest interest on these products in the past four to five years. And here's the thing. This interest, this low interest is not going to show up now in this current earnings they have because this is the current earnings is going to reflect numbers for the past three months. So these numbers can be good. What this number is going to reflect is the guidance. 
their next earnings, right? Q1 earnings, that is what it's going to reflect. And I think that is what's making a lot of people start to panic that, wait a minute, you know, if all those things are lower, what is your guidance going to look like? And a company like Apple, Microsoft, Google, they cannot, their market cannot afford them to give you guidance. They like, bro, trust me, we cannot afford for those. Bro, just, the generals, just lie, the lie, please lie. <laughs> just lie. <laughs> look at, because many of these growth, look at Roku. Roku is down almost 70% from its all-time high. CrowdStrike yeah. is down almost 50%. You know, think of any growth stock, Adobe down almost 60%, HubSpot down almost 50%. Yeah. We cannot afford to see an Amazon down 50% from its all-time high or an Apple. Because if those are down 50%, that means Roku is probably going to like $50. So we really need them to step up. And I think this week is going to be very interesting. Obviously, I expect the market to give a relief bounce because even when the market is in the downtrend, it does not just go straight down, right? What it's going to do is that it might just go up and give it a lower high before taking the next leg lower. So this week, play safe. <laughs> Be nimble. Don't so get they say next leg lower. They say the next leg lower. They can be a next leg lower, right? Uh, but to be honest, you know, like on the charts, all the supports, just pretty like the wall of Jericho. Just... Yo, if we're being honest, if you look at the monthly chart yeah. of the SPY or the QQQ, you will know that um, uh, there can be a long way down. Because if you look at the monthly chart, we literally went from February 2020 to just this past December. We almost went up nonstop. We had some correction in between. But it looks like we went parabolic. So, like, there is a long way down if the market decides to be bearish. If power decides to be hawkish, there can be a long way down. But hopefully, I think power, he has enough experience and he knows how to choose his words, not to freak out the market too much. So that's what I'm hoping for this week when he speaks. 100%. I agree with you. And with that being said, guys, this is the end of the episode. I feel <laughs> your pain, everyone. I am experiencing just as much pain, but this is the fun ride. When we're making all that money, we look back and laugh at how strong and tenacious we were by staying firm. <laughs> but have a good one, guys. Have a good one, guys. Bye-bye.